Welcome back to Software Social. I'm Michelle Hansen. And I'm Colleen Schnettler. Hey, Colleen. Hey, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I had a pretty productive day today. A little ADD in the morning, but it was good. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, so I, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD as a kid when I was 10. And so it's always been something that I have to um, work with. You know, working against it, it, it is not going to happen. And, um, you know, recognizing the, the procrastination of it is really just me being a perfectionist in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, you can also, it can also make for a fun morning though. I made some good memes, I think. Um, <laughs> nice. um but no, actually, I actually, I, I got a lot of stuff done, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, uh, you asked me what I was working on, I mentioned landing pages and then, and then I was kind of like, ah, that actually wasn't what I was planning to talk about. And, and, uh, I feel like you were kind of disappointed. Um, but I actually did a ton of work on landing pages this week, so we can talk about that if you want. Oh, yay. Yes, I do. Yeah. So this is a huge thing for us because we don't do any paid marketing. We don't do any outbound sales. We just do SEO. And you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking to Alex Hillman and something that really stuck out to me from his book, Tiny MBA, was, um, you know, when done well, marketing and teaching are almost indistinguishable. And I think that's so true because a lot of what we do when I'm writing a landing page is just explaining how our service works and how to do something or, or how to do something in general that happens to relate to our product. Okay. So can we take several steps back here and sure. talk about landing pages? Because people talk about landing pages like they're these things they just throw up real quick. Um, and so I kind of want to talk about strategy and like practically speaking, do you have, do you always use the same template? Do you try to, you know, like when you're marketing towards a specific group, like how do you tailor your landing page for that group? There's a lot of different types of landing pages. Um, so what I'm doing is generally very product focused. Um, there's a whole huge segment of landing pages that is sales landing pages and, and writing conversion copy, um, which is conversion means I convert, I buy something from you. Exactly. Is that what that means? Yes. The, the okay. idea is, you know, basically you run some ads for people who are looking at a specific search term or you, or you have, um, you know, SEO targeted to that search term. And then you bring them into a sales page and there's tons and tons and tons and tons of copy and there's a story and like all, all of these sorts of things. And there's, there's like these calls to action that are building up to it. Right. Like, and then they want you to convert and buy immediately from that page. Um, that, that is a whole sort of school on its own. Um, and not really something that we do because we don't really need to do a lot of convincing for people since, we have a free tier and people can just try it and figure it out if they need it or not before they even buy it. Um, so when I'm talking about landing pages, it's generally very product focused copy that is sort of either describing features of the product or is like a step by step how to do something with the product or 
um, is, yeah, is, is somehow just better describing what we do. Um, very often that comes out of conversations that we have with customers in intercom where, you know, if we get the same question more than two or three times, we usually take that as a sign that either we, we need some more copy on that, or, you know, maybe we need to fix something in the product to make something, um, more discoverable that is like easier for people to find it, um, or, um, at affordances, which is the ability for them to do something. Um, that, that's generally where we focus when, it, when I talk about landing pages. Okay. So do you have specific rules like in your head, like from a design, like should it only, should it fit on a visible window? Should they not have to scroll? Do you even think about these things? Are they not important at all? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really think about that actually. Okay. I, yeah. I I don't know. Like, that's why I'm wondering. Like, I, I've never, I'm telling you for me, like, I feel like I could write a whole backend system API to do whatever, but you asked me to make like a marketing page and I'm like, oh it's my scary, gosh. Right. Like I, it's so I, the hard. blank page is very intimidating. And it's like the whole thing. Where do I put the images? What do I say? Like, yeah. How far? Uh, it's a lot. And I have so many hangups around this because I'm so afraid of coming off as spammy or like too heavy handed of a sale that when I'm tr trying to write copy, like, <laughs> it sounds so boring. Like it's just so, so dry. Um, and what really helped me was thinking about marketing as education and yeah. thinking about it. Okay. Maybe this is just this can just be a step-by-step -step how to do something, you know, for example, how to add metropolitan statistical areas to a list of addresses, which is something that, for example, somebody who works in sales might do because they need to know which of their customers live in and around Boston and in and around Chicago if they're planning a trip during normal times when you can plan <laughs> trips. Um for example. And so it's just like a step-by-step -step list. And and then there's, you know, the SEO tactics bringing into that, like, um, you know, all of the, 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 um, list items need to be headers and, and, and saying first organize the, your spreadsheet of addresses, uh, that you want to add the metropolitan statistical areas to like the next step, upload the list of met of addresses that you want the metropolitan statistical areas for to Geocodia. Like it's like using the same words over and over and over again, um, so that you know Google or a search engine will pick up on that. Using those terms in um, the URL is a, is a really basic one um, that is easy to overlook. Like actually, I realized this morning that we, we had someone reach out to us asking about features of our unlimited plan and I realized like oh my gosh I type like the same reply multiple times a week and we don't actually have a page on our site that is just devoted to this plan that I can send someone in the same way we also don't have any a page specifically devoted to free geocoding or our uh pays you go tier and so now almost seven years into doing this, we finally have a, a URL that is geocode.io slash free geocoding, which is the number one search term that brings people to us. And it like never occurred to me until this morning that we should have a page with the, you know, H1 and URL of free geocoding. Like sometimes it's just so, so obvious. 
So you mentioned a little bit in there about like your varsity level, right? Landing page builders. So you're no. focused on. Oh, God, <laughs> no. no. Okay. Oh, Junior no. varsity. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, we, we, we occasionally walk by the bench they sit on. Like, this is... <laughs> no, so marketing is definitely have... one of my weaknesses. Do you have, um, like you met, you threw out a couple SEO things that I know a little bit about because I was reading about SEO for fun. As you do, Colleen, like. Right? I'm so weird. Do you have like I joined business related hobbies? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> They're called children. Those are my non-business related hobbies. Um, so there's, uh, so do you have a list? Because, you know, I was doing all this mar- like marketing research. I was reading about SEO and it seemed like all over the internet, there were like little snippets of here's a couple things to do, but I didn't find like a good comprehensive list. Do you just have your own personal list that you have found worked for you guys? Or do you just keep all this stuff in your brain and try to remember it? It's a combination of, of things I absorb from other people and things I, you know, I might see online in various places. But actually, I was asking um, a friend about this a couple of weeks ago who um, is an an SEO expert themselves and like it's their full-time job. And I was like, is there, you know, a, a book or an ebook or like something you can send me that is like, a, you know, a sort of soup to nuts kind of guide for SEO, not only from the high level, but also specific tactically. And they were like, no. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's very all over the place. And and I think, you know, something that's difficult being a bootstrapper is that a lot of content is written for much bigger companies or companies that are uh, much more flush than we are, which is difficult because they have very they might have very different goals. Like their goal might be to get, you know, people to sign up with their email address or, or to submit a particular form because their goals are feeding into somebody else's goals because there's another department that's actually going to try to convert them into a paying user and, and, and all those sorts of things. Um, so, so I, and, and I, I run into this with uh, UX stuff too. Cause a lot of that content is geared towards people who are, you know, on a team within a larger organization. And, and part of that for them is like managing the politics and the, the incentives of other people. Um, so no, I haven't really found one good guide. Like I wish there was an ebook or something I could send people to that, that was a good all in one resource, both um, tactical and strategic level. Um, yeah. Mostly it's just, it's just things I've learned. You know, I will, go in and poke into Ahrefs every so often, uh, probably not often enough given how much we pay for it. Michelle, can you tell those of us new to marketing what Ahrefs is? So Ahrefs is this tool that you can use to basically diagnose how good the SEO is on your site and on a particular page. And so it will tell you the keywords that are leading people to a page and your referrers, which are other websites that are linking to you, which is a very important part of SEO and building reputation. Like the age of a URL is is really important. And so like if you can get a really old website to link to you, 
that's really helpful for your SEO because then the search engines basically think you're reputable. Um, it also talks about like general keywords leading people to your site and then how easy it is to rank for particular ones. I think you can also see what your competitors are ranking for as well. And so so maybe finding opportunities there. Quite frankly, there's so much going on in Ahrefs that I feel like I have only scratched the surface and most of their instructional content is in videos and I really hate watching videos. Like I would much <laughs> rather prefer like text because I can read really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always like, oh, I'm going to spend time watching Ahrefs today and then I just... I just want to be busy. I want to do stuff. I don't want to watch video. Um, so I just pay a lot of money for something that I don't fully utilize. So that's that's your business advice for today. <laughs> so it sounds like, so in your head, based on people you know and your own experience, you kind of have some SEO um, tactics and ideas that you weave into your landing page. So when you're going to make, when you're going to make a new landing page, how do you even start? Do you start with like, I know you guys target specific sectors like real estate agents, I assume, and census bureau people. Do you start with your target audience in mind and then like word data mine or whatever you, you know, look for the popular search terms and then build the page around that? Sometimes. So for example, that page I was talking about with people adding specific types of census data, that just came about because... I had a customer ask me how to do that. And I was like, oh, we should just have a guide that tells people how to do this so that the next time somebody asks this question, I can just send them a link rather than spending 15 or 20 minutes going back and forth with them on intercom. Um, sometimes I will be targeting a specific vertical. By vertical, you mean? Uh, industry. Industry? Or, okay. Yeah. So for example, you mentioned real estate websites are. Uh, customers of ours. Um, but I usually don't work on those specific pages very often. More so it's how to do a specific thing. And, you know, it might be that people in sales need the metropolitan statistical areas, for example, but people in all sorts of other occupations need those too. Um, and so we don't generally target that kind of educational content to a specific type of person because the number of people who work with, you know, census FIPS codes, for example, in their work is so incredibly vast that I would inevitably be leaving people out if I tried to only talk to one specific use case. And also, like, I don't know all of the different tools they use. Like, every industry, you know, um, every function has their own specific set of tools. And so we actually try to be as general as possible and and not talk too much about industry-specific tools. Um, Because, you know, spreadsheet is a general word. And if they're downloading something from their CRM or whatnot, it's it's going to be a spreadsheet. So the way you're describing this is I think maybe my definition, my head is different than the way you're describing it is I'm thinking of what you're describing more as content marketing. But they're really this, for some reason in my head, a landing page is like that, that, like, has a big buy me now on it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I think of it as, is like that, but you're basically using that definition to encompass anything that they land on. Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I, you know, again, I'm, you know, um, 
so I also I like I think of content marketing like I feel like we don't really do content marketing actually before um before the pandemic I was super jazzed about starting a whole content marketing initiative um kind of like do you know the site priceonomics have you ever come across that like so they are this I think they're a Y Combinator company they're like a data studio and they will write all these really interesting quirky articles on um, things that they find in their customers data when they're analyzing it and my idea was kind of to do something similar with all of the address data that we find so like for example in South Carolina there are towns named Denmark Sweden Finland and Norway all right next to each other so like just kind of like writing articles about things like that like I even came up with some cutesy names for it like I I really wanted to name it Curiosities, like cities. Um, uh-huh. But somebody had already taken that, and I, then I came up with some other name and forgot it, so that was very productive. Um, yeah, I wanted to do stuff like that, and then, you know, the pandemic hit, and and um, just everything <laughs> fell apart um, in terms of uh, voluntary initiatives, never mind, you know, barely staying on top, top of the stuff that you have to get done. Um, yeah. I would love to do something like that and, and, and do more like creative writing. I think that's also something I struggle with, with doing, um, SEO writing is it's just not, it's not very fun. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it brings people to us and, and, and so it's necessary, but I enjoy creative writing. And so I would like to do that, but it's also, it's harder to justify from a business perspective. Like it's fun, but like, is that really going to bring in customers? But then again, we're bootstrapped. We don't have to focus just on the bottom line. And if I want to do something fun, that's basically a side project within our main product, then, you know, I'm my own boss. I can do that. Awesome. Anyway, what's going on with you? Well, for those who are just joining us, I am in the process of launching my first product. So, Last week, I had a couple customer, potential customer interviews. Yeah. Which was really fun. I really enjoyed it. One of the people I spoke with is actually using it now. (gasps) So I know that's pretty exciting. Um, And it's interesting because the way I've written it, it doesn't work with React, which is a modern front end framework. And um, one of the guys like just kind of hacked the JavaScript to make it work with his stuff. And he was like, cool, I'm going to try it out. So that was really exciting. And so now there's two people using it, me and this other guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's funny because as soon as, you know, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to use this. I was like, great. And then of course I thought of all these things. I was like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And, um, like were those new features or like things that you No, so it's stuff on my end. So okay. I had I have focused so much on getting it working, which is great. It works great as far as I can tell, no problems yet. But um as you know, as you know, I kind of ha- didn't pay too much attention about uh tracking everything, not tracking everything. That's not the right word. Too much attention about how I'm going to charge the customer eventually and things like that. And so, for example, I keep track of all of the storage each customer uses, but I don't get, I don't email myself every day. Like how I don't have any automatic stop gaps if they go over their limit, you know, I don't have anything like that. And it's, you know, so just kind of like things like that. I was like, Oh, um, 
I should probably I should probably figure that out before I actually get too many people <laughs> using this. So um, yeah, so just like backend stuff like that, like should I email myself every day so I can keep track of what everyone's doing? Should I just check my dashboard? Should I put in an automatic stopgap if um, you know someone uses too much storage? Things like that. Um, so nothing like super crazy important right now, but as I do ramp up, I need to kind of have that sorted out because you know it's storage. Like it's not it's not free. So um, yeah, I think it's basically like you know buying yourself insurance to protect from that downside risk of somebody uh, running away with it, and that doesn't really matter if nobody is using it. So it makes sense for you to not build that before the launch. Yeah, cool. I agree. That's why I didn't. <laughs> and again, it's just it's 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 certainly manageable now, where I can you know just look every day. Um, I have about five people who have like signed up. Remember, I told you um, since I'm first releasing it in the Heroku add-on marketplace, I need ten people to sign up. But I have not. I can easily get the other five. So I. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about getting that number to that number 10, but um, all I need to do to get it to beta and beta is when like I can accept everyone and I'm show up in the, what they call the elements marketplace, which is the Heroku marketplace. So I have to get all my documentation done too. So I did the couple customer interviews. I got a couple people signed up and now I want to like fix a few things, nothing that impacts a customer, but like stuff on my side. Like I said, like I, uh, you know, like basic stuff, like how am I going to track this? And um, then it's just the documentation and they have really extensive requirements for documentation. Oh, I remember what I want to tell you. This was really cool. So remember when I told you, I was like, you know, my documentation is really terrible. Like this is, this is not going to work, but it was, it was really nice because the um, couple people I spoke with on the phone are developers and they figured it out in like two seconds. Like I didn't have to explain anything. It was so great. <laughs> Like, just because I'm so used to as a as like a consultant, I have technical customers, but I also have a lot of non-technical customers. So I'm used to like having to explain things in intricate detail to, you know, help my non-technical customers kind of understand. So it was kind of cool because um, I was like really prepared to go into intricate detail and the people I spoke with, like they had it sorted out in like a second. They were like, oh yeah, yeah, I just add this thing and this thing and I'm good. And I thought, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be hard to explain because there's like five steps. It was fine. So that was good. Um, and you know, like talking about SEO, our documentation is consistently one of our top ranked pages because when people are searching for how to do something, that is the page that is, describes how to do something. And absolutely the way to do that thing once you find the product should be as intuitive as possible and that's such an, a great sign that like it was so intuitive for them to figure it out but the, the documentation is is almost more marketing than it is user onboarding that's interesting I never thought about that but that makes total sense um, I think that's one of the good things about starting because like my app is set up that I can just like change a few things and it can be out in the wild. Like I don't have to go through the Heroku add on our marketplace, but I like it because for like a first step, because it's really constraining me in these ways. And I know if I wasn't doing it, I'd be like, oh, it's good enough. And I'd just be like, it's free into the world. And I think the, it's going to take a while to write all the documentation they require. So I think 
the discipline of that is going to, to your point, like down the road, I'll have it. Right. Then I'll always have it once I write it. That's a great thing that like you, you can start out on the Heroku marketplace, but you're not necessarily tethered to it. Yeah. Oh, not at all. Like I, I, um, which is, which is exciting, which is good, you know, that's for such a good thing. I mean, I too, you know, too often, you know, see products that are really dependent on a particular platform and it can be so great to use a platform or a marketplace to get a product off the ground. But whenever I come across the, those products or, or have people ask me for advice on those products, I always come back to the saying of don't build your house on someone else's lawn. Like if you can't decouple your product from that marketplace or that platform, or they would make, you know, any, any change and you would be cut off or significantly impacted. That's a really dangerous place to be. And so it's, it's so good that you're, you're starting out on the platform, but you can see a future off of that platform and and you were not going to be dependent on the Heroku marketplace even though it will be a good place for you to launch and, and get customers and whatnot you can survive without it yeah 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 so I just feel like I've just been like heads down working 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 right <laughs> I have a lot going on um which is exciting and fun and there's a lot you know um more I gotta do but I don't know, two weeks, maybe, maybe that's my goal to be in review by the Heroku team to be in beta, which would be really exciting. So that's, that is my goal. I'm, I'm speaking it aloud. It's funny because I always feel like we have our podcast recording and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a whole week. I'm going to get all these things done. And then the following week, it's like two days before we're going to record. And I'm like, oh shoot, where did my time go? Like, did I get enough done? Um, so I don't know. Time flies, I guess is my point. But, uh, yeah. So I think two weeks is kind of a realistic goal for like applying for beta. Yeah. So it's exciting. Like I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited for you. Thanks. You've been working towards this for, for so long. It just, not just this particular product, but working towards having a launch and having a, a user of something that you made. And, and I just sort of have to ask you, like, how does that, how does that feel to finally have something that somebody else, someone else is using? It feels amazing. Like, honestly, I know, I know the advice from, from everyone and yourself included is to talk to a bunch of people before you build something. And I know why people give that advice. Like that is great advice. You should absolutely find a market before you build something. But I think it's easy for aspiring entrepreneurs to get stuck in this cycle of never making kind of any progress. And sometimes this is more of like a, a small win. So like, it's funny because when I tell my friends, this is my like product, my non-technical friends, they are like so underwhelmed. They're like, so you can put images on the internet? Like, doesn't everyone already do that? You know, they expect me to be making something big and amazing. And I'm like, I get it. I get it's not sexy, but it's a, for me, it's a stepping stone. Like it's a small thing I was able to build in my extra, I don't want to say spare time, but you know, kind of in my extra time, put it in a marketplace. So it takes care of a lot of the overhead details and someone's using it and hopefully more people will be using it. And that is such a huge win. Like it just feels, it feels so good. Um, I feel like I can hear the relief of 
I don't know. It's like relief or it's like excitement. Like it's like relief that you're finally feeling that feeling. Yeah. I mean, and everyone is like, you know, you read, people are sending me this videos about the sass slow on ramp of death or whatever that video is everyone loves. And that's, that's interesting. Like, and I get it, but like not my problem right now. And these are like all good things to learn when you actually have people using your stuff. Right. So, I mean, ask me again in five years, maybe I'll be like, oh, that image thing was a waste of my time. But I don't think so because I think for some of us, it's just important to get going and you got to get out of your own head. You got to put something out there. And if it's a flop, it's a flop and you learn from it. Um, and so like it does, it kind of does feel like relief, right? Like, okay, this is a little thing I can do. You know, it's out there, almost out there. Like, that's really cool. That's so cool. I'm excited. I still have a lot of work to do. Like I said, to get it out of this like invite only phase, but it feels manageable right? Like, like when you're thinking of a new idea and it feels like this big, huge thing and it's just you and you have all these other responsibilities, like, you know, work, kids, family, I think you can start and then you stop because you get overwhelmed because it's just not like a manageable thing, right? It's too much. Um, so like this widget is like a manageable thing and you know, it's, I don't know. It just feels great to have something out there. You know, in the same way that like Alex uh, Hillman and, and Amy, who I talk about stacking the bricks in terms of a product and, and businesses, right, and slowly leveling up, I think the same applies emotionally and, and, and to one's own energy, right? And like you're taking the energy and enthusiasm and, and motivation that you are getting from this very small product, this one brick, and using it to either improve that one product or maybe send you off and in another direction that adds to that, but taking that little tiny bit of motivation and allowing that to propel you and and knowing that, you know, maybe this isn't going to be a huge company. You none of us are, you know, even trying to build a huge company in the first place. Right. But, um, that little bit of motivation and, and that feeling of accomplishment and just building those on top of one another is so, so powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like a little brick, but it's a big brick for me. And I need that. Um, it's your first to, like, brick. keep me motivated. Well, actually, no, it's not your first brick because you're consulting. So that's, you, you have some. I guess consulting was the first brick, bricks, right? Or I don't know if they're bricks. Maybe those are two by fours. I'm not quite, I'm, I'm getting lost <laughs> in this metaphor here. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited for you. Two weeks from now, look at my yes, calendar. write it down. I'll hold you That's to that. Goal. I'll write it down. <laughs> Ask Colleen about the stuff she said two weeks ago till halfway through your goal. Halfway through my goal. <laughs> We'd love to hear what you think of the episode. You can tweet at us at SoftwareSochPod, and we will chat with you next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, 
Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Room Steals, Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.